The Start On Demand. demand. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, good morning. We like to we like to use this segment as just kind of a this is like though that you're warming up, you're waking up, just easing into your day, so we don't always necessarily just barrel right into something like the US election, but we found a fun way to do that, to warm <laughs> you up as you're rolling out of bed. Because Donald Trump, hey, whether you like him or whether you don't like him, uh, he's entertaining. He says interesting things, Greg. And yesterday, he really caught your attention. (laughs) He did. So he's all over the United States. Uh, I think he did three rallies uh, across three different states yesterday. And uh, while we're into the home stretch of the presidential campaign, and last evening, he was in a community I've never even heard of before, West Salem, Wisconsin. He spoke for about an hour. And there are 24 seconds, pardon me, that stood out for many of us on this side of the Canada-U.S. border. Like the song, Oh Canada, right? Hockey game, nice song. Oh Canada, their national anthem, right? By the way, they stand for our national anthem. Our people have to stand for our national anthem. They have to stand. But Canada treated us badly. 287% tariff. Can you believe that? Think of it. I learned about that. I said, it's time to get out of that crazy NAFTA. NAFTA was a terrible thing. Is he suggesting the hockey song is our yes. national anthem? I, I so. don't know. <laughs> you try or to get inside saying, his head. Uh, okay. He's saying Canada is all about hockey yeah. and we're mean. And we're mean <laughs> yes. Don't forget the 287%. On what? I'm not sure. Just stuff, man. Stop doing the stuff on our songs with hockey. That's how I, that's what I heard. Well, I heard no less than five different talking points in that two dozen (laughs) seconds. Oh, Canada, trade with Canada, NAFTA, the U.S. National Anthem, and of course, Loren, hockey. So we thought we'd have a little fun with this. Follow the bouncing ball if you can. Like the song, Oh, Canada, right? Yeah. Hockey game, nice song. Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. Oh, Canada, their national anthem, right? By the way, they stand for our national anthem. Our people have to stand for our national anthem. They have to stand. Oh, say. Treated us badly. 287% tariff. Can you believe that? Think of it. I learned about that. I said it's time to get out of that crazy NAFTA. NAFTA was a terrible thing. Had to sneak some lobby crew in there for Jeff Forche. So six more sleeps until U.S. Election Day, and I was trying to find a betting site which would give me a prop bet as to what day the election will actually be decided. No dice, couldn't find it, but uh, can't wait for this all to be over. By the way, the 287%, I think he's talking about our milk, but that's not... (laughs) 
super or milk milk you did say I, it you said milk did i say it right i thought it. i did yeah. and then i heard you laugh and i thought damn it i still can't get this right <laughs> but uh i think that's a little bit of an exaggeration there are that number is slightly inflated but uh so is a lot of things he says Surprise. so there you go i wasn't laughing by the way at the way you said it i was just laughing i wasn't expecting it to be milk <laughs> like, i was expecting it to be like steel or sure. oh. aluminium or i don't oh. know something yeah. but then when you said milk i'm like really that's what it was <laughs> but I, I did remark like oh she said milk well it would make sense as well if he was in wisconsin that he would bring up the dairy tariff whatever mm. that is however he's got that all sorted out and and the so, uh, congratulations, Donald Trump. Uh, he, like, meandering mind. And I relate to that because my mind does similar things. But holy smokes, in 24 seconds, did he go a bunch of different places there. So thank you for taking on that little little journey, Greg. And uh, we're going to play some, I guess, uh, contrasting audio from oh. Canada's leader coming up at 637 uh, because Loren, uh, Justin Trudeau yesterday managed to uh, relay a message about COVID-19 in uh, a way that relates to, to parents and non-parents, just to, to Canadians uh, all across the land. Yeah, and listen, I don't, you know, what. no matter where your political stripes are, how you feel about him, how you feel about him when he talks, this is the first time in a long time when I, when I listened to him and I thought, yeah, I really feel what he's saying. So we're going to play some of those comments at 637, uh, but he's basically saying, you know, Christmas is on the line if we don't get things in control, and he knows that's hard. He, in his own words, this really sucks. COVID really sucks. And he talked about talking to his kids and the questions he's getting from his kids and boy can I relate to that I was saying to you guys you know I had to pull over my car last week because the kids were asking all these questions about when mom is this going to get be over and to control my own emotions I just climbed in the back seat of the car with them and just started chatting because their little minds are trying to process so much and you talk to them about Halloween and then they think Halloween and then they think well what about Santa and then they think about what about New Year's what about all these things that are just so normal for them that are not normal right now and to me what Justin Trudeau had to say spoke volumes just about relatability to Canadians. Santa, thankfully, is magic, right? So I think Santa... He'll find a way. He will find a way. That's mm-hmm. what I keep telling them. I said, I've said, this, I said, look, the tooth fairy came through COVID, right? The Easter bunny came through COVID. So Santa will be here. It's just about uh, all the things that they that come in and around Christmas that are so important. Yeah, and of course, the discussion about what happens this weekend with Halloween as well. I think people dramatically changing their plans and how they're going to approach that. And uh, isn't it National Chocolate Day today? It is National Chocolate Day indeed. Actually, our friends over at Global News Morning are going to have a little bit of a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, they can't slow down at 7.50, but at 6.45, we are going to talk about our favorite non-bar way to consume chocolate. And as soon as you suggested that, Greg, I immediately, like, just a boatload of ideas started floating into my head. Because whenever we talk about chocolate, I think the instinct is to think chocolate bar. But I got a list here of, like, 17 different ways I love to... eat chocolate and uh, I think my suggestion was if I had a Tonka dump truck full of uh, 1980s formula Smarties sitting beside me right now I'd be very happy has to be the 80s formula or it doesn't matter I guess I don't remember when they made the switch but the pre formula switch when Smarties were actually good and it has to be one of the 80s 70s 60s era Tonka trucks yes because uh, they were metal they were Heavy metal. Oh, yeah. I had one when I was a kid. Loved it. It, it, it survived all kinds of 
destruction. I was hard on that thing. Um, I bet you it's I still, still have one. Next time you come around, I'll just send you to the sandbox. Like from when you were when you were a kid? No, it's like one the kids got when they were little, but it's pretty much the same. It's awesome. It's so durable, you could sit on it and ride it around like oh, an adult. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it big enough for, for me to sit in? I don't in? see why we wouldn't give that a shot. <laughs> Sounds like something intelligent, responsible adults Cameras on would for do. that. <laughs> And we're looking out the window here on the 30th floor at 201 Portage. We can't see more than maybe two, three blocks down Mm -hmm. to street level because we are socked in by the cloud, the very low cloud giving us that precipitation. Yeah, it's kind of neat. It's pretty, but you know. It's easy to say that when you're not in the car. Like yesterday when it started snowing, I was shopping in Transcona uh, and uh, the drive home was treacherous. I was A, unhappy to not have my winter tires and B, when I got into my parkade, I, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been so happy to pull into that parkade. So just be careful out there. COVID-19's grip on Manitoba continues to tighten with more record numbers yesterday. And today marks one month since Level Orange was implemented in Winnipeg, but numbers are higher now than ever. Global's Kevin Hirschfield has more. Not only are those numbers not going down, we broke more records and continue to see a rise in deaths. Three more deaths reported, another one at Parkview Place, and two deaths related to the outbreak at St. Boniface Hospital. So that brings the total number of deaths in Manitoba to 58, a record 184 new cases also reported, with 144 of those in Winnipeg. Manitoba's test positivity rate is now at an all-time high of 7.5%. 83 people are now in hospital with 15 in ICU. Now, in addition to that St. Boniface outbreak, which is at 34 people, we learned that an outbreak at the Victoria Hospital is now at 38 people, 19 patients and 19 staff. The health minister today acknowledging the rising numbers, but he says the system isn't being overtaxed. We're conscious of the fact that there are more people in hospital now than there were just two weeks ago. Uh, Clearly that is not the direction that anyone in Manitoba would want the numbers to go in. We are planning accordingly. Uh, We are not at a breaking point. Now the minister says if that breaking point does occur, there are plans in place to move patients to other settings. He said areas such as hotels, gymnasiums and hockey rinks would all be contemplated. So there's lots of numbers to digest there. But as always, we're watching the hospitalizations, which are going up. Of course, the deaths are tragically going up. And as Kevin mentioned, Manitoba's test positivity rate is sitting at 7.5%. And so that means Winnipeg's is much higher than that because that's where the bulk of these cases are. So it wasn't so long ago that Dr. Rusin was saying anything past 3% for a test positivity rate was going to be concerning. And here we are sitting at more than double that. And guys, I can't even believe it's been a month since Code Orange went into effect. I truly believed when they mandated masks in Winnipeg and around the city uh, in the metropolitan region that we were going to go through two incubation periods. And much like Brandon, we would get this under control and we would be back at least at some level a normal. And here we are worse than ever. Well, when you hear stories about uh, people testing positive and hosting parties at their house, uh, there's no masks involved there. There's complete disregard for what's going on. And so uh, when you hear stories like that, and that's not apparently the only one that's been cited, Brett, uh, it's not impossible to imagine that we are exactly where we are. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau put it bluntly yesterday, no one is happy about what's going on right now. And it's tough to find the answers for kids who just want to know, when will this be over? 
we're in an unprecedented global pandemic that really sucks. Uh, it's tough going through this second wave. And it's frustrating to have to explain to your kids in many parts of the country, like here in Ottawa, that we're not going to be trick-or-treating this weekend. And it's frustrating knowing that uh, unless we're really, really careful, there may not be the kinds of family gatherings we want to have at Christmas. My six-year-old asked me a few weeks ago, Dad, is COVID-19 forever? I mean, he's in grade one. This was supposed to be his big year as a big boy, and... They're not even singing in his classroom. This is really difficult. Vaccines are on the horizon. Spring and summer will come and they will be better than this winter. It's frustrating to have to go through this situation. This sucks. It really, really does. But we're going to get through it by doing what Canadians always do by pulling together, by working hard, and by knowing that better days are coming. Lauren, I've got a clip here of Brian Pallister I want to play in just a moment. But, you know, what did you think of that tone from the Prime Minister yesterday? Well, I've said in the past that I went from really listening to him, you know, when he was first elected in 2015 to struggling sometimes with the way he speaks. And it sort of sometimes can sound condescending. But for me personally, just because I've had those exact same conversations with my kids and, and I've, I've thought about all the changes they've gone through for me, I thought that was heartfelt. And I and I and there's no better way to say it than it does really suck. And to even think about Christmas being on the line now is just beyond painful. So personally, I found that I, I truthfully was a little emotional because I've been there. I've had those conversations with my kids and I don't have the answers right now. So that was the Prime Minister of Canada yesterday. The day previously, our Premier got a little bit frustrated himself. My reaction is, is uh, growing frustration, as I believe would be the reaction of all Manitobans. Thoughtful Manitobans are making sacrifices, uh, tough sacrifices. People have missed funerals of friends and family members. People have had to stay away from loved ones they, they would love to be with and offer support to. They just can't do that right now. Well, other people are doing dumb things, and those dumb things are endangering all of us. They're endangering seniors. They're endangering vulnerable people. They're endangering the ability of small businesses to stay afloat through this time and to get back going again. And they're endangering jobs and opportunities for Manitobans to support themselves and their families. This is maddening, to put it mildly, but it's just a real darn shame that some people just don't seem to get it and don't seem to get with the program and they're endangering other people's lives while they're being thoughtless. Is it okay if I say I really like both messages and the way yes. the way we're delivered? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love it when Pallister just lays the smack down like that because you could hear the emotion in his voice just as we hear the emotion in Justin Trudeau's voice. It's just and, a different and, approach, right, Loren? Well, yeah, and I was going to say, like, so when at the end of Trudeau, when he said, we're going to get through this the way we always have as Canadians by pulling together, my, also, my reaction was also, are we? 
Are we going to get through this by pulling together? Because it doesn't feel like that's what we're doing right now. So I think it's safe to say that all of our emotions are doing that up and down. You've got that frustration of Pallister, the whole what are you doing, people, when you hear about someone COVID positive going to a party or having a party. And then you have the you have the other end where you're trying to create this balance for your families and your kids who are asking questions. And so I think you feel all of those things. I feel all of those things in a 60-second span some days. Yeah, I think uh, I've used both of those approaches. I was talking about uh, Donald Trump and his scattered uh, thought processes. I think I've used both those (laughs) approaches with my kids in a matter of a couple of minutes, just trying to connect with them, whether it's about COVID or anything else. And so, yeah, I appreciate the contrast. It's not necessarily compare and contrast, but I appreciate the way both messages were delivered because I feel like they were delivered uh, from the heart. They were human messages, human emotion, and I think we need more of that from our leaders. Speaking of what are you doing, we've been wearing these masks for one month now. Our kids have had them in school for two months. Are you disposing of yours properly? After 8.07, we're going to talk to Take Pride Winnipeg because they're seeing far too many masks just tossed on the ground or in the recycling bin. Like, come on, people, what are you doing? McGarry and McNabb excited about this conversation and we are indeed going to give away a Santa Lucia pizza later on in the show based on your text messages at 204-780-6868. It's National Chocolate Day. So we want to talk about your favorite way to consume chocolate in a non-bar form. So text us and the more detail, the better. For example, Kristen texting us saying that she uh, likes chocolate covered potato chips. Chocolate, good. Crunch, good. Salt, good. And it has to be the real deal. None of this chocolate dip nonsense. Those chips need to be covered. Maybe two coats for good measure. So Greg asked her, do you make these at home like nachos? And Kristen says, I like the skill. A disastrous attempt was made. I used to buy the good stuff from a shop in Mall of America on my annual pilgrimage to the Minnesota Zoo. This year I'm making do with fondue chocolate and grapes. So that's a solid entry. So text us 204-780-6868 and let's go around the horn. Jeff Fortier is here. Jeff Braun is here. Kelly Moore is here. Jeff Fortier, I often see you eating potato chips in Master Control, but you like chocolate too, right? Of course. Who doesn't like chocolate? I don't know. I'd be curious. But, I, li- uh, I like chocolate and different things. You know, you got chocolate pudding. You've got the Nesquik chocolate syrup. You got you, you put that on ice cream. Mm, yes. Um, what else is there? Uh, you know what I really love? I love uh, caramel and chocolate, and especially like salted caramel and chocolate. Though that combination is just delicious. Like the uh, the truffles you get at Lint. Those are so good. Mm, yeah, I do like those uh, Lindt, uh, the, the Lindor milk chocolate truffle, I think they call them. It's the one in the, the little ball in the red wrapper. That's, yeah, well, there, there's favorite. so many different kinds. If you actually go to the store, they have so many different kinds. And like my, my favorite is that uh, a salted caramel chocolate truffle. Okay, so I'm already salivating. Jeff Braun, what about you? Well, we are getting into Ferrero Rocher season. Uh, That's one of my favorites. I don't know if that counts as a bar or not. But uh, my absolute favorite, though, is chocolate-covered pretzels. Because I like regular plain pretzels anyways. And you coat them in chocolate, and they just become, you know, 100% even better. 
Ferrero Rocher, maybe donuts is your favorite way to, to eat, consume chocolate in a non-bar fashion. Oh, donuts on Broadway. Oh, I guess I've got a couple of locations now, but I got it from the one on Broadway. They made a Ferrero Rocher donut once, and uh, it was the best donut I've ever had. Like, I, it stopped me in my tracks. I, gra- I took it out of the box and was walking back to my desk. I took a bite, and I just stood there in the middle of the newsroom and inhaled it. It was so good. Uh, Kelly Moore, what about you? Well, I was going to sing for you, but I'm going to try to play this instead. Uh, no, I couldn't get it. Anyway, turtles, turtles, mm, I love turtles. <laughs> that worked out better, actually. Turtles. I, I yeah. always forget about turtles. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and and I, uh, I certainly uh, like the Ferrara Rocher. And and remember, uh, is it? Oh, what 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 is the? I, I want to say uh, pot of magic or pot of gold or pot something. Of gold, pot yes. of gold. Pot of gold. Yeah. Pot of gold. Yeah, those. Those always seem to find a way to our uh, (laughs) living room table over Christmas as well. Mackling? Well, I love the lint white chocolate. What what do you call those things? They're in a ball form. The chocolate truffles. Is that what they are? Okay, chocolate truffles. I second Jeff Braun's notion with regard to chocolate dipped and covered pretzels. I like white chocolate the most. But Joe Louis. The Joe Louis, the, that incredible sandwich, oh. two pieces of chocolate velvet cake with that marshmallowy middle dipped in more chocolate. <laughs> what could be better at three in the morning when you're cruising through 7 Eleven, grabbing a Slurpee <laughs> and a Joe Louis? Gotta love it. <laughs> McNabb? Well, I was going to say chocolate chip cookie dough um, because I, I'll eat that. I'll eat cookie dough at any time. I'll eat it in the ice cream. I'll eat them in a blizzard. But then I went down like a rabbit hole of what else do you do chocolate with? And I've just in this moment discovered boozy Oreos. And <laughs> the tagline is because vodka is better than milk. <laughs> and so now I'm like, what is this recipe that I've never heard of before? So, you know, here I am. I'm at 6.45 in the morning checking out a, a, a really sweet option for the Oreos. Wow. Yeah. I looked up boozy Oreos and I see drunken Oreo cookies, boozy <laughs> Bailey's Oreo milkshake <laughs> recipe, Oreo jello shots. So there's all kinds of places you could go here. I mentioned earlier that uh, I would love to have uh, not just a bowl of the the old Smarties before they changed the formula, but like give me a Tonka dunk, dump truck full of them and I'll just sit there and eat the whole thing. M&M's would do uh, in replacement of the uh, current Smarties. I like a good chocolate shake or a, a chocolate malt. I've discovered Ooh. cookies by George since we've moved downtown. They're down in the concourse in Winnipeg Square. They've got like chocolate cookies with like a chocolatey sort of filling in the middle, which is delightful. Uh, Lilac Bakery on Grovery makes these delicious little cake drops. I guess uh, like a really crude way to describe them would be like a it's like a Timbit on nuclear steroids. It's like they've somehow found a way to condense an entire chocolate cake into a tiny little ball. It's so rich and so good. Uh, so I, I haven't been there in a while. I gotta do that. And uh, Forte, thanks for reminding me about chocolate pudding. I know, actually, I, I have a snack pack in my uh, <laughs> in my little cubby hole behind me, so. Is it with vodka? <laughs> I wish. Fortune, you don't live at home anymore. Does your mom still pack your lunch for you or what? <laughs> no. She dropped that off for you at night? I, I got saw, like a I, Lunchable there, too? You want a munch <laughs> I saw the pudding in the store, and I was like, I haven't had pudding forever, so I'm going to grab and grab a four pack. <laughs> oh, and Gary said fondue. Fondue is the best way to have oh, chocolate. Yeah. Marshmallows, bananas, strawberries, and oranges. I said to Gary, you make a compelling argument for consuming fruit. 
Yes. <laughs> so text us 204-780-6868 for your chance to win some Santa Lucia pizza. Also, Loren, you might want to look up something called adult chocolate milk if you're looking for some new recipes. Is this Chocolate Rain by Day? Oh, yeah, it is. This guy has the, the freakish deep voice. Listen to this. <laughs> Zoom the camera out and see the light. If you've never seen this video, it is hilarious. This guy, he's so skinny and slight, and then this powerful, like, ridiculous voice. Chocolate rain. Oh, thank you, Jeff Forte. I love this. 657, Mackley, McGarry, McNabb, Jeff Brown with Global News at 7 is next. Makes us happy living in a gay chocolate rain. The street the other day, chocolate rained. Made you turn your head the other way, chocolate rained. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and on this snowy Wednesday, it is National Chocolate Day, and we are asking you to text us at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win some Santa Lucia pizza just after 9 o'clock. What is your favorite way to consume chocolate in non-bar form? And boy, oh boy, I'm glad we're having this discussion because I forgot about all the delightful, delicious ways to enjoy chocolate, uh, such as Kathleen, who says, chocolate lava cakes, a warm little chocolate cake that oozes chocolate syrup when you dig into it with your spoon. Boston Pizza has those great uh, lava mm-hmm. cakes, they right? They do, yes. I think they warm them up a little bit as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it's a good way to consume uh, just a tiny bit of chocolate. Now, what else we got here? Well, look, I was watching uh, For the Love of the Game yesterday, Kevin Costner, Kelly Preston, baseball movie. And uh, at one point, Kevin Costner is drinking bread or eating bread in a glass of milk. <laughs> kind of a bizarre thing. And this reminded me of that. Chocolate bread. Soak slices of white bread in a hot chocolate sauce made with sugar, cocoa, and water. Okay. You had me at bread. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like you're just taking bread and you're putting sugar and chocolate on it. I don't really know how you can go wrong with that. It's like the uh, advanced sugar sandwich there. Got to like that. And Uliana saying, I love Wendy's chocolate frosties. I mentioned the chocolate malt and the the chocolate frosty for sure. In the summer, they usually have the small ones for 99 cents. And she says, you can also opt for a frosty instead of a drink in your combo. Dip your fries in it and then have it for dessert. Or put it on your cheeseburger. I know a lot of people that do that. That surprises me to hear that that's just such a common thing. I've heard like fries in the chocolate. I don't know. I don't know if I get it. I think I tried it, and I, I think it actually works. It does work. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it sort of caught me off guard at first, but I thought, well, everyone, or not everyone, but so many people, as you pointed out, Loren, point to that as like a slam dunk treat. So, yeah. I would. I have a problem. Like when I go to Wendy's, I always get the meal, and then I think I'll have a Frosty after, but sometimes I'm just too, too full. full. So I'll, sometimes I just got to go to Wendy's and just give me, uh, I'll just take two big, big, big Frosties, please, uh, and thank you. This is what my COVID-15 needs is fries <laughs> with a Frosty. <laughs> Double fisting the Frosties. Good <laughs> Yeah. 
Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Greg Mackling, we're listening to Iron Maiden. What does that mean? It means only one thing. The mayor of Winnipeg, Brian Bowman, joins us. And I guess we're on the countdown now to how many more times we get to play this for you, Mayor Bowman. We'll, we'll uh, skip over your announcement on Friday and just say congratulations and thank you for your service over the last two years. We look forward to continuing our conversations with you over the next two years. Fair yeah, enough. you bet. We got lots of lots of work ahead, and yeah, we can uh, we can sit there and, and analyze and uh, look at legacy two years from now because we got more work to do in the meantime, and we got a pandemic to get through. Well, you know what? Let's start there. The pandemic, yeah. obviously, lots of questions happening. How did Winnipeg get into the situation we're in? And we can look back, but we need to look forward. What, what in your mind, do we need to do to to turn this thing around? Well, uh, firstly, we, we all have a role to play. Governments have a role to play, but individual Winnipeggers have a role to play as well. So sticking to those fundamentals, staying home if you're sick, and uh, I'm urging Winnipeggers, you know, wash your hands, wear a mask, and watch your distance. Those fundamentals can't be stressed enough. If we do that, we will get back to flattening the curve because right now the numbers um, uh, that we're hearing, you know, yesterday 144 new cases in our city, um, you know, active cases pushing 2,000 right now in the city of Winnipeg, and uh, sadly, uh, 39 deaths. Um, these these are sobering numbers. These are people. These are Winnipeggers. And um, you know, I just urge everybody listening right now take take the recommendations from Manitoba Health very seriously because it it, it literally is a, a matter of life and death. We're about a month and a month today, actually, into Court Orange, Mr. Mayor. And so it's been a month of Winnipeggers and surrounding municipalities wearing our masks. Uh, it was you who actually had suggested a few days ahead of that Court Orange going into effect that Winnipeg should have a mandated mask policy. And so here we are a month later. The numbers aren't going down. Do you think there should be further restrictions? Um, the, the short answer is uh, when we, we hear from Manitoba Health, like where we are at and where we're going, we'll support any and all measures. And, uh, you know, we've been taking the lead on a number of fronts. We introduced mandatory masks in all city facilities back in August. And, um, you know, we'll continue to be there to support Manitoba Health each step of the way. But I I wouldn't rule anything out, um, nor should any level of government be ruling anything out to protect the health and well-being of our residents. Now, as well, we wanted to ask you about the uh, the rapid housing strategy, the rapid affordable mm-hmm. housing strategy released yesterday. What can you tell us about Winnipeg's plan? Well, you know what? This is great news. This is as a result of a lot of a lot of advocacy and and uh, dialogue that that I've had with uh, the prime minister and with the ministers of health and housing at the federal level. Um, it's it is needed. We know that there are far too many unsheltered Winnipeggers who need better support. So yesterday, we learned that Winnipeg is going to receive. Uh, $12.5 million directly from the federal government. And we're going to be looking to to get those dollars um, out the door as soon as possible. So we're working right now, our officials are in dialogue to get those dollars and uh, to use them in the community in a way that can benefit um, some of our most vulnerable residents. Well, it sounds like something that needs to be done. We know a housing first strategy has been effective uh, all over North America. So uh, hopefully we can get this done quicker uh, than slower, right? Well, yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, this is, this is part of the kind of that overall package. We've, we've just made a, a, in our most recent four-year multi-year balanced budget, we made a funding commitment to end homelessness Winnipeg so that they could, they could bank on those dollars. So 
not the annual kind of here you go every year and every 12 months they're writing reports and applications and trying to get the funding. We actually make it made a long-term commitment. Uh, other levels of government, including the provincial government, are supporting and homelessness Winnipeg. And that's a, that's a good thing. It's needed. More needs to be done. And so when these dollars come in, we're going to be looking to align our strategies uh, with provincial supports. And so the, to the greatest extent possible where we can align those efforts, I think we're going to get bigger bang for the buck. And um, But again, we're treating this uh, with the urgency that it demands. And you can expect to hear a lot more uh, from me and from members of council uh, over the coming weeks and months. Speaking of housing, Mr. Mayor, I just wanted to touch on the impact fees because we know the court ruling quashed the city's bylaw on impact fees back in September. And then there was, of course, this appeal period. Do we know where this is at? Are refunds in the work for homeowners and builders who are looking for that $30 million back? Well, look, they, that decision is a is an incredibly important decision for the city of Winnipeg. Um, there were a number of parties to the action that initiated it. Um, we are waiting to hear from all of them whether or not they're appealing. But um, we're hearing that, uh, at least from, I think, the home builders and others, that they, they're, they're not likely appealing, which is positive. Um, I think less time in court, more time building this community up, uh, the better. And let's keep in mind what this decision said. For years, we had heard from some strenuously that growth was paying for growth. And what I've been arguing is no, existing homeowners are subsidizing the costs of growth to an extent that I didn't think was fair to existing taxpayers. And so this decision confirms what we've been saying, that growth is not paying for growth and that the city of Winnipeg does, in fact, have the ability to uh, to have uh, an impact fee. And so that is that is historic and that's something that hasn't been done before. If all the parties, though, um, do not appeal, then yes, uh, I want to see those refunds go out as soon as possible. The year of transit, Mayor Bowman, and obviously transit uh, for a lot of people, key to the city's future as we continue to grow. You used the terminology a legacy just a few moments ago. The city continues to consult with the public about the future of transit in our community. Two-part question, how can people get involved? And one of the pieces of that strategy that's being proposed and that was released by the city just in the last week or so, or by transit, was using Union Station as a as a hub, an intermodal hub potentially for rapid transit in our community. Do you like that idea? And and what are the chances that we see something like what's in the proposal become reality? Great question. The plans are really exciting. And so for Winnipegers that want to participate and want to give us their thoughts on the, the Winnipeg Transit Master Plan engagement, they can simply go to engage.winnipeg.ca and be part of that dialogue. And I would urge all those that support public transit to, to do so. And, and it's, it's for everyone. Um, the reality is, is the, the plans or the proposed plans, at least for Union Station, uh, is really exciting. And it leverages existing infrastructure in a really smart way. So it has the potential to improve scheduling, uh, improvements for accessibility, improvements to pedestrian access to the forks. Uh, as well as improved bike paths between Union Station and the Forks, and then also providing a Winnipeg Transit Plus drop-off zone. So it's it's pretty it's a, it's the pretty cool plans. Um, you know the reality uh, that that or the chances of it becoming reality, um, I think, are very real. One of the things Council recently did when we were asked by the provincial government to transfer uh, millions of dollars from a from a dedicated transit fund in Ottawa 
to help support the North End Sewage Treatment Plant is we unanimously asked the province to not further deplete that fund, um, but also to match it. And if the province um, ends up uh, confirming that they'll respect the unanimous request from council, we're going to have a lot more money to, to actually implement the Winnipeg Transit Master Plan when it's approved by council next year. And so that's really important. We need dollars to implement it, and we need the province to uh, to step up in a way that's been unanimously requested by every single member of council, which, as you know, is rare at City Hall. So it's it's uh, it's a powerful statement, and we're going to need real dollars in order to begin implementing the Winnipeg Transit Master Plan. Mayor Brian Bowman joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Mayor, thank you for the time as always, sir. You bet. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Backling McGarry and McNabb, if you are just tuning in, we just spoke with Michael Shaw, president of UMFA, University of Manitoba Faculty Association, about the possibility, Loren, of a strike. Yeah, and they've reached this stage. They say they have no choice but to um, turn to the administration there at the university and say, like, let's go to binding arbitration. We want to discuss. We want to get there. We want to we want to have this move forward. And we have brought up the fact that, look, we're in the middle of this pandemic and students miss classes in the spring. And then, of course, this fall has come around and they're all learning from home. And it's such challenging times for everyone. We got a text in from a listener who wrote to say all the students they've talked to are upset, they say. Hearing it right from them, they just want some certainty. And I can only imagine that's very true. They don't care which side this goes down on in the bigger picture. Um, For sure, you want people to have the right to bargain fairly. And I get that and have a fair contract and that I appreciate that. But. If you're a student, let us know how you're feeling because this has got to be frustrating, uncertain times to say the least. Question of the day at cjob.com, which is brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question is, are you bothered by all the disposable masks and gloves you're seeing on the ground? And your options are, yes, it's disgusting. I haven't noticed. No, it's just part of the landscape now. Or I'm more bothered that I can't pick them up because sometimes, you know, you see litter on the ground. You might have an urge to clean up. I know when I go to uh, probably where it would be most frequent for me, of course, is on the golf course where I see, you know, guys have tossed their beer cans here, there and everywhere. And I usually try to pick them up if there's a garbage can nearby. Uh, but I guess this year I tried to avoid that. But with a mask, certainly it does because you walk by it. It's and it's not just like a like a small candy wrapper or like an, or a piece of paper. It's a mask, so it's just it's gross to begin with. The fact that it's on the ground makes it even worse. But you you can't you can't touch them. Yeah, it's been on your face. You've been breathing into it, and somehow you feel as though that's the appropriate way to dispose of it. And I'm in that final category because I am forever picking up garbage out when I'm out on a walk or if I'm downtown somewhere. And I think for the most part. Winnipeg's pretty good at having public garbage cans and recycling bins on the sidewalks for you to use. You typically don't have to carry anything more than a block or two, so it's easy enough to dispose of. But I wouldn't even imagine picking up any sort of garbage right now, a pop bottle or anything that's been near anyone's mouth. I'm avoiding it completely, let alone one of those non-surgical masks, Loren, that you see absolutely everywhere right now. 
Yeah, and I, I guess I'm just trying to figure out, like, I, I tried to play nice yesterday when there, when we were alerted to this first by one of our listeners, and thank you, because I know we've talked about seeing them on the ground, but they had mentioned they were passing one of the plants in Winnipeg, a factory, and that they were all over the boulevard, and they were really disappointed and said it was worse than they had seen, and I thought, okay, there might be some people, like lots of garbage, you drop it accidentally, right? But I think a mask is, you're, it, that's, it's not falling out of your pocket, it's on your face, and so you're making the choice to take that mask off as you walk towards your car or, or what have you, and then just throw it on the ground. I, I'm going to account for maybe 2% of that is an accident, and the rest is, and I don't care. And maybe that just gets back to the whole prevailing attitude about what we're facing right now is too much of that I don't care attitude. Yeah, but it's uh, on the flip side. Like I, I mentioned uh, about 20 minutes ago, you've, you've worn the mask. You're a solid citizen. You've decided to wear the mask or it's been mandated. And so maybe you're frustrated that you've been mandated to wear the mask. The point is you've worn the mask. You've done uh, good things for your neighbors, your friends, your family to do your part in keeping everyone safe. And then you go and you do that. And Brian just texts in at 7806868. Masks left in grocery carts. Gross. Somebody's got to clean that up. Yeah, I'm, I'm more just wondering, yes, I guess you could say that people are doing the right thing. And so it doesn't make sense that they would do the wrong thing by littering. Yes. But if it's in and around a grocery store, in and around a workplace where you have no choice but to wear it, I don't know how many of those people feel they're doing the right thing. They're being told to do something and they have to do it for their job. So this is an act of or they defiance, have to do it to, potentially? I don't know. Hmm. I, just, I, I just don't know if there's that. The, I, I see you're, you're, you're thinking there's conflating ideas, right? You're doing the right thing by putting on the mask. Yes. You're doing the wrong thing by littering. I'm wondering how many of those perhaps are just doing it because they have to and then don't care afterwards. It's a Which sense is of an- worse. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it kind of ties into the sense of entitlement that has always bothered me. It doesn't matter if it has to do with masks or if you just, you know, people who don't clean up after themselves. Uh, my parents, and I've told this before, but uh, I think back to when I was a little kid sitting at McDonald's and my parents would point to the garbage bins after we were done and they'd say, see how it says thank you on the bin? Well, that's its mouth. That's the garbage monster. If you feed the garbage monster, he says thank you. So you get up and you clean up after yourself. You feed the monster. Garbage bin is happy. Kids learn a valuable lesson. And then the table is at least clear for someone to sit down uh, or at least easier for the staff to come and quickly wipe it so that someone else can sit down rather than clean up after himself. Because I remember working it. And now I'm, I already mentioned golf. And now I'm going to bring it back to Taco Bell. <laughs> yes, please do. Because it's been a while since we've had a Taco Bell story, Brett. So on, Brett, it. bring it on. There was a mother and daughter duo who would come in and we all hated them this uh the teen the, the the girl was a teenager and they they would order six soft tacos so which is not a large item between the two of them they managed to take up a bank of eight seats because they would sit on this bench and they were there were there was a table of two table of four and another table of two and they would sit in the table of four but they would somehow manage to get lettuce all over every seat Every table, I don't know where they learned to eat. I don't know if they were raised by wolves, but it was disgusting and it was reflective of the kind of entitlement that people have, that some people have, and we're now seeing that in a new form of behavior. Well, I'm done with this mask. Uh, I don't feel like dealing with this, so I'm just going to chuck it on the ground. You know there are people out there, Loren, that believe, and I've heard it said, 
that if you clean up after yourself at the uh, fast food restaurant, you're actually taking a job away from somebody. And that's the justification for leaving your stuff on the table. Have you heard that one? Oh, yeah. And, you know, you only have to work in a place like Taco Bell or Chi-Chi's like you or Terry's Place, Chicken Terry's for me. Whoa, 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 to... whoa. Don't bring Chi-Chi's and Chicken Terry's. They're not on the same strata <laughs> they're, here, They're McNabb. food service establishments. Okay. You only have to serve food in any capacity for a few days to know how hard that job is exactly and how much work goes into it and so you you only have to do that job once to know that leaving any kind of trash or mess behind is not helpful to anyone and so do that job and then come back to me and tell me that you're you're helping me out by leaving that mess there and i just wanted to quickly add on the mask thing before we move on at 10 o'clock the city is going to come on with jeff to talk jeff courier to talk about masks ending up in the recycling because now you have an added issue so some masks are being tossed on the ground some are being thrown on in the recycling which means the folks at the recycling plant now have to deal with a contaminated substance who are you helping one listener saying isn't this a biohazard these masks and these gloves i think that's an appropriate question right and the other a lot of people brett texting in they like your word entitlement one of our listeners here trina from bozager says the mask tossers are probably the same people that don't put carts away spit anywhere toss cigarette butts and litter entitled exclamation mark Kiefer with an interesting point as well bringing something to the table i hadn't thought of Kiefer says i left a grocery store wearing a mask i had it hanging off of one of my ears you know sometimes you take it off or take it down when you get outside and the wind caught it and blew it away i chased that thing halfway through the parking good lot good man good for you Kiefer. you'd rather chase it than litter but yeah if your mask blows away okay i hadn't thought about that but yeah, i think it's safe to assume that not every single mask we're seeing has been blown away. <laughs> I would bet on that. What's the over-under on it? Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we're asking you at 204-780-6868, your favorite way to consume chocolate in non-bar form because it is National Chocolate Day. And one of our listeners saying, this is Bill, saying best way to have chocolate Intravenously, <laughs> just hook it to my veins. Is that an option? Uh, how about Rudy? Rudy says chocolate. The store in Banff, Alberta, has bear claws chocolate with cashew nuts used as claws in a coffee cup wrapped in cellophane. Send my family by plane to Alberta for Christmas. Well, I had to work and look after a dog. When she got back, she gave me a mug from the chocolate store, but not wrapped. And the claws were missing. <laughs> when asked where the claws were, she said she ate them on the plane on the way back and all I got was an empty mug. Sorry about that, Rudy. <laughs> That's too bad. I never heard what Darcel is suggesting. Uh, they write, good morning, the start. When we were young boys, we used to butter up our toast for breakfast and put a heaping <laughs> teaspoon of chocolate powdered quick. You oh work it in word. the butter, and it was fantastic. Now, I have done, like, you know, did you guys used to make cinnamon toast? Sure. Or brown sugar and cinnamon on the toast? Mm-hmm. I don't even want to dare tell my kids that this is an option. <laughs> uh-huh. Giant... <laughs> Keeping teaspoon of quick. Oh, boy. Well, did you ever do a sugar sandwich? No. Because if, if you, like, we grew up with margarine, but if you had yes. butter in the house, butter and sugar and white bread, oh, my 
So good. <laughs> but our winner is Gary J, who texts us a picture every morning. He calls us good morning. He always says good morning smarters now because uh, we were re- referred to by USA Today as smart start. Smart start. But uh, he sent us a picture. We were talking about chocolate malts and frosties. Uliana says she likes frosties. But Gary sends us a picture of four trays filled with five frosties each. And he says, I might have a thing for chocolate frosties. And then he sends us another picture saying, or there is this time, where he's got uh, what appears to be a deep freeze full of Frosties. And then he says, uh, I started Frosty Fridays a couple summers ago. If we hit our monthly sales budget, I buy Frosties for the whole staff on the first Friday of the next month. That is pizza-worthy actions, Gary. Congratulations. And boss, are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> we have a meeting with the boss right at 10 o'clock today. I wonder if there'll be Frosties feedback. involved. I'm somehow negative. I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not certain about that. Yeah, Skeptical. We've got important things to discuss, but can we just get to the Frosty thing? Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start. Donald Trump is all over the United States as we head into the home stretch of the presidential campaign last evening in West Salem, Wisconsin, which is a place I had never heard of. Greg, I think you'd said you'd never heard of it. Never heard of it. Come on, you guys have never heard of West Salem, Wisconsin? (laughs) (laughs) Wisconsin, By the way, just before we get it, Wisconsin is a lovely state to drive. Beautiful. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. I stopped in a cave there, actually. We went to to a trip to Wisconsin Dells, and on the way back, we drove by this place called Crystal Cave. And uh, my girlfriend at the time says, hey, let's let's go to this cave. And I said, Why? What what a great uh, a great spontaneous trip because I'd never been in the cave and it was spooky and cute and I still have the little bat stuffy stuffed animal that uh, used to hang from my computer. Inevitably, and you'll learn this. Uh, what? Oh no, you won't. <laughs> You've decided not to have kids. I was going to say <laughs> one day you will learn that uh, that. Uh, a lot of those rod- roadside attractions and those things that the kids have no idea about start out with the slumped and sunken shoulders. Oh, why do we have to do this? And then by the time you leave, oh, that was awesome. Thanks, Dad. Loren, you been down that road yet? Mm, no, not yet, but I, well, I'm going to leave it there. Okay. <laughs> you mean they not. don't, the kids don't like stopping at Happy Rock and getting their picture taken with Happy Rock well, every single time they do- go to Minnedosa? <laughs> I actually have to say I don't even know if I've ever stopped there, which is what, which uh-huh. is why I hit pause because you can't go to Minnedosa and Clear Lake as often as I do over the last forty three years and not stop at the Happy Rock. But I did make them last year. I don't know if I ever shared the video with you guys on our way to Minneapolis. Um, I was visiting family there, and we were we had left early, and I said, "Oh, we don't want to show up until they're done work. We'll be there too early." And so I looked up things to do, and the world's largest ball of twine was only a 60-minute detour, and uh, it's only. just a ball of twine, a really big ball of twine, and there's this video of my youngest saying, you brought us here all the way out of our way for this? Yeah, see, I could get behind that reaction. That was maybe not the best move. It was worth it. I was like, at my funeral, you're going to be like, remember that time mom took us to that silly ball of twine, and then there'll be a single tear. Okay. Um, we mentioned the bouncing ball earlier and the train of thought makes many stops. And I, mine, my train of thought just clearly went off the cliff there. So That's I apologize okay. we helped for you. that. We helped you. We pushed you, pulled you. <laughs> 
Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.